you would, turn in your Bible to Romans chapter 5, verse 5, then Zechariah 9, 9 through 12. Romans 5, 5, Zechariah 9, 9 through 12. As you're turning there, let me just um, mention two things to you. If you haven't yet seen what Pastor Joel and Lindsay are doing in the kids' ministry, I know many of you have kids that are uh, of the age that you've been invited to a meeting at 1030 today. But before you leave the campus today, if you would just go in and walk through the kids' area there, what, what, what you're seeing is the tangible outworking of an invisible vision for children. And I'm telling you, our children are headed to better and better and better places. We have the Believers Bayou. And uh, I've been to the New Orleans Zoo, which is a hard Cajun country. And right at the alligator exhibit, I can tell you, you'll see nothing better except a live alligator than what you'll see right back there in the Believers Bayou. That team has worked and worked. And, and that what you see there is not just a decorated room. What you see there is a visual shift in philosophy in kids' ministry. And it is going to impact your kids and mine. And I am so excited about it. Here's the other thing. Uh, you may not have been aware, but yesterday we had something called uh, Fine Arts at our uh, campus here. The churches from all over the state sent their youth groups to compete in uh, art, photography, singing, uh, speech, preaching, ensemble, solo. My wife and I sat right back here in the middle and heard, heard a, um, a young lady play the violin. Uh, something that uh, I've never seen live before, but it was really incredible. And uh, my kids have never seen it before. My eight-year-old leaned over and said, when's it going to stop? <laughs> I said, well, they got to finish the, finish the whole piece. But if you would have been in here yesterday, you would have seen like uh, a city at work. And so many of you helped pull it off. If you helped yesterday in the cafe or in working or set up or tear down or anything, would you just stand for a minute? I, I want to tell you, you'd have been so proud of our church and what you did. Would you give these guys a hand? Thank you, guys. Incredible. Incredible. Thank you. Well, today we're finishing our series, Real Hope. There was a prisoner of war who was wasting away. His mind was beginning to slip from frustration because he had been imprisoned in a, in a war camp. To try to maintain his sanity, he would take his shirt off and jam it into his mouth and scream. He didn't want to scream out loud because if he did, he didn't want to draw attention from the guards and become a target. One day, out of just sheer frustration, the, the fear of losing his mind, he, he laid down on the prison floor. And as he was lying there, he could see daylight through a drain shaft out the other end of the prison that he was in. As his eyes caught focus to the other end, he could see outside and his eyes caught a single blade of grass. Later he said that that single blade of grass was a reminder to him that there was an outside world outside that prison camp that was free and moving on unhindered by what was going on in, inside that prison and in his body, and he knew one day he'd be part of it again. In the weeks and months following his discovery, he would spend hours, 
hours lying on that floor, staring out that drain shaft at that one little blade of grass. As the days went by, he stopped screaming. The power of hope is amazing. That little shot of hope gave that man sanity and strength and patience. Faith has to do with power. Love has to do with motive. And hope has to do with endurance. Romans 5, 5 says, And hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out His love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom He has given us. You, you and I can get so... Man, I hate to say it this way. But you and I can get so high. We can get so strong. We can get so filled with hope of the resurrection of Christ and the eternal abundant life that He's promised us that we can persevere everything that life can do to us. We can move through it. Now, before we look at Zechariah chapter 9... I want to give you the backdrop. Zechariah is not a book you've probably read much or, or looked through or know much about. So I want to give you a little background about what happened when the, word, when the Lord sent this word through the prophet Zechariah to the people of Israel. With the inspiration of God, Zechariah prophesied the coming of two, two kings. One was a human king that would bring destruction. The other was the Messiah king who would bring salvation. 100 years after Zechariah's prediction, the human king showed up on the scene. The human king was Alexander the Great. And Zechariah prophesied 100 years before he came, he was coming. And he came. And he came with destruction in his hand. And he destroyed Tyre, and, and Sidon and Gaza. And by God's intervention, he had bypassed Jerusalem because God needed that city to stay intact because that was the city the second king was going to come to. The Jews had been prisoners in Babylon for years. They were now back in their capital city of Jerusalem. They had begun rebuilding. And the word of the Lord came to them at that very moment. Now look at Zechariah chapter 9, 9 through 12. And I want to show you what the word of the Lord is. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, daughter of Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you, righteous and having salvation, gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Who do you think he's talking about? He just described Palm Sunday. The second king's coming. I will take away the chariots from Ephraim and the war horses. From Jerusalem and the battle bow will be broken. He will proclaim peace to the nations. His rule will extend from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. As for you, because of the blood of my covenant with you, I will free your prisoners from waterless pits. Return to your fortress. Look at this key verse. Circle this. Underline this in your Bible. Return to your fortress, O prisoners of hope. Even now, I announce that I will restore twice as much to you. Return to your fortress, O prisoners of hope. My message this morning, we've talked about real hope lives, real hope holds, real hope heals, real hope shines. It's the last message. 
prisoners of hope. What does that mean? You don't, I've never heard in any other sentence these two words put together. Prisoner and hope. They don't sound like they belong together. What he's saying to them is, even while your body was a prisoner in Babylon, your spirit was imprisoned in a stronger jail, and that jail was called hope. There's a stronger fortress than the one that your body was in. It's the one that your spirit is in. Look, you may be facing some kind of limitation this morning in your own life. Some kind of circumstance. You may be limited by some uh, trapping circumstance. You may face financial or physical or health issues or circumstantial prisons. But every child of God, the Bible says, is trapped in a greater prison called hope. Whatever prison that you're in, whatever trap you're facing, wherever the line's been drawn and you just keep bumping into the same wall over and over again, just know this, there's something that holds you stronger than that physical thing that holds you. It's a spiritual prison. It's one called hope. God makes us prisoners of hope. He came to set us free not to make us independent of Him, but, but to endure, but to triumphantly overcome, but to proclaim victory over everything that life can do to us because we're bound to Him. And the binding we have to Him is greater than the binding that we have to anything else. Bound to Him for eternity. Hidden with Christ in God. Hidden inside, sheltered from the storms of life. Through this bond of hope, he makes us vibrant and resilient and joyful and filled with peace and faithful. Do you remember in Ephesians 3, Paul the Apostle was put in prison? Do you, do you remember this occasion? He called himself in Ephesians 3, listen to what he called himself, a prisoner of Jesus. Rome may put me in jail... Ephesus may put me in jail, the Jews may put me in jail, the Gentiles may put me in jail, but no matter what jail you put me in, I'm actually in a better one already. I'm a prisoner of Jesus. Nothing that you can ever do will break me out of that cell. I am caught with Him, I am bound to Him, I am captured with Him. Ephesians chapter 3, Paul calls himself a prisoner of Jesus. If anyone knew what a prisoner of hope was, it was Paul. Let me just recite for you the things that Paul said had happened to him in his lifetime. Five times he got 39 lashes on his back. Jesus got that once. Paul got that five times. Three times he was beaten with rods. One time he was stoned. Three times he was shipwrecked. He spent a night and a day in the open sea, he said. He was constantly on the move. He was in danger from rivers, from bandits, from his own countrymen. He was in danger in the city. He was in danger at sea. He was in danger from false Christians. He worked. He went without sleep. He had known hunger and thirst, and he was without food, cold and naked. Can you think anything else that can happen to a person? How many of you have endured more than that? Nobody? 
If anybody knew what they were talking about, it was Paul the Apostle. Paul was thrown in prison with his friend Silas, but he refreshed himself with the hope of God. I can just see Paul and Silas bunked down there for the night. The cell closes, bars ching. It's clear they can't get out. Nowhere to go. I can just see their little wheels turning. I don't know what they said. I'll tell you what I think they might have said. It probably wasn't these exact words, but I bet it was something like this. When that jail closed and they sat there about a quarter till midnight and they started to think what all this meant, I can just see them looking over at each other and saying, do you know what this changes? Nothing. This doesn't change one thing. This doesn't change God. It doesn't change His plan. It doesn't change His purpose. It doesn't change His goodness. It doesn't change His love for us. It changes nothing. And I think Silas said, Paul, you're right. And at midnight they got up and started singing. They stood to their feet and started worshiping in that jail cell because they were in a bigger prison than the one that they put them in. They were in a stronger jail than the one any human could lock them inside. What about you? Something goes wrong in your life. What are you stuck in? What are you caught in? What is your soul bound to? Is it bound to the circumstances or is it bound to the jail of Jesus? One, one of the things that defines you as a believer in Christ is not your stubbornness. I know there are Christians that believe that. They fly under that flag. They're very proud of that. It's not your determination. One of the things that defines you as a believer is your hope. You live free from the guilt of the past and free from the worry of the future because you've been imprisoned by hope. God says to you today, come on, wherever you're at, whatever you're going through, whatever you're feeling, whatever life has said to you, whatever people around you have said to you, whatever expectations have said to you, whatever your, your sickness or your body or your, or your challenge has said to you, what God's word for you today is, come on, prisoner of hope, keep going. You're bound by a greater jail. You're bound by shackles that won't let you go. You are bound to it. Hang in, you can make it, you can get through it. There's coming a day of reconciliation where God's going to make sense out of everything that you went through. But until then, hold on to the bars. Because they'll hold on to you. They'll let you get through it. Things may be pressing in. Boy, we're in a, we're in a strange time in our country's history. Strange time. I don't, know, I don't know if the news broadcasts bad news more often or if bad things happen more often. It just feels like they do. I don't know what that means. I can't count the number of earthquakes. I mean, they're just, I think, I think the underneath of the earth is falling apart. Earthquakes are firing off like crazy. West Tennessee, where my family lives, is flooded today. Bridges caving in, roads 
caving in. People killed by tornadoes. Heard a guy last night on the news say, we went in Arkansas, we went into the storm shelter. We were in there about 20 seconds. The storm blew through. We came out and the house was gone. It's gone. It's nothing left but a slab. Looked like it had been blown up by dynamite. I don't, I don't know what you're going through. You may be facing tough times. You may be facing limitations. But I want you to hear the same word of the Lord that came to Israel in their day is the same word of the Lord that comes to you and I. And that word is, it changes nothing about God. He still loves you. He still has miracle working power. He still heals. He still delivers. He still has an eternity waiting for you. You have a jail you can hide in with him. He's as good as he's ever been. And his presence is just available to you as it's ever been. No matter, you ever get feeling numb and you just think God's further away because you can't feel him? Can I tell you something about that? It's not true. If you register reality through your emotions, you're going to mislead yourself. God's as close to you as he's ever been. He's as close to you as he's ever been. He loves you more than he's ever loved you. You just might not feel it. Can I remind you this morning? You're safe. Your name's written in the Lamb's Book of Life. If you've asked him into your heart, if you walk in relationship with him, you are caught in a jail. And it's a prison of hope. I think it's time that we start acting like prisoners of hope. Time that we start acting like prisoners of hope. When I went off for my first year of Bible school, my, um, I came home for one summer and I was going to church with my mom's side of the family. My great-grandfather on that side was a Nazarene pastor who pastored nearly 67 years. And uh, he had gone on to be with the Lord, and his wife was there, my great-grandmother, Meemaw. We call her Meemaw. You have little funny names, Meemaw. And, uh, the fa you know, when somebody finds out you're called to ministry, they think that you got the red phone to heaven. So I say, boy, I, I don't know if I'm... They say, Meemaw's suffering, and she's hurting, and her back's out, and she couldn't go to church today. We come back after church. Could you go in and pray for her? You know, send in the, the green berets, I guess. Well, I thought, wow. And I walked into the living room, and there, there lied this pastor's wife of 67, 67 years of ministry on the floor, lying on the living room floor with her church dress on, all ready to go. She just couldn't get up. She was lying there, and she was hurting. I could look on her face. She was 93. I could look on her face, and her face was turned so tight she just hurt and I thought how <laughs> I don't what would I even know how to do how do I even know how to pray for her this giant in the faith I, I, I just nailed down and I I put my hands on her arm and I just started praying for her and I can still hear her sweet little voice you know what she was repeating over and over Lord, you are good, and you do all things well. <laughs> Lord, you are good. I don't know what I prayed. I don't know what I was doing there. What I do remember is what she prayed. And she said, Lord, you are good, and you do all things well. Although her face couldn't turn to smile, it was tense. 
Her voice was gentle. Lord, you are good and you do all things well. Her body had imprisoned her in a jail she couldn't get out of. But she was locked down in her spirit in a prison called hope that wouldn't let her go. Even in that position, her spirit was imprisoned to hope. There's a church, the church of Staunton Herald in Leicestershire, England. And inscribed on the doorway of the parish church are these words. In the year 1653, when all things sacred were throughout the nation either demolished or profaned, Sir Robert Shirley Baronet founded this church whose singular praise it is to have done the best things in the worst times and to have hoped them in the most calamitous. Isn't that incredible? To do the best things in the worst times and to have hoped them in the most calamitous. Can I tell you, I never met that guy, but he's a prisoner of hope. He's a prisoner of hope. From this broken world, Jesus has provided a drain shaft that gives you and I a tunnel view out of this world into the next one. And our eyes, as we focus in on the other end, do not lock onto a single blade of grass. Our eyes lock onto a single tree that Jesus made into a cross, climbed up on it, and died for us there. And that view from this prison of the broken world into the eternal world gives us hope into this world to make us realize that we are captured to a greater future. We are captured to a greater time. That tree gives us hope that there's another world that's unhindered by all that we experience and Jesus is going to lift us out of this one one day and take us into that one. My advice to you, Keep looking through the drain shaft. Keep staring out the other end. Keep your eyes locked on that little tree. Because that little tree will give you hope every time something happens in your life. Master Pastor Micah to come. This revelation imprisons us into a jail. Isn't this strange language? Prison. Prison is something we've always thought we didn't want to be in. And for the most part, we don't. But there's one prison, there's one jail that holds you, fixes you, sets you, strengthens you, gives you patience, gives you power, allows you to endure everything that life will do to you. This revelation imprisons us. Let me just describe this jail for a minute that we're stuck in. It's a jail whose cafeteria is filled with love. Whose gym is filled with faith. Whose walls are built with bricks of eternal life. Whose cellmates are our adopted brothers and sisters in Christ. Whose trustees are our mentors. Whose guards are our leaders whose warden is Jesus himself. Zechariah 9.12 says, Return to your fortress, you prisoner of hope. I want you to stand with me right where you are.
Return to your fortress, you prisoner of hope. My Lord, my Lord, every eye closed. I can't tell you how many times I've been out in life, beating my head against the wall, and the Holy Spirit would begin to call. Come back. Come down off the wall. Quit trying to do it all by yourself. Quit working so hard alone. Quit shutting yourself off. God spoke to me this morning about what this morning's about. It's about a breakthrough. It's about a breakthrough. Some of you here this morning need a breakthrough. You've been fighting the same old battle. You've been, you've, been, you've been working hard. You've been pushing. You've been going. You've been working. But you know what hope is? I've defined it for you from the beginning of this series. Hope is God's presence. What is the fortress of hope? Return to your fortress this morning, you prisoner of hope. The fortress. Return to God's presence. You're facing relational issues. You're facing tension. You're facing circumstances. You're facing challenges. You're facing things around you on every side. Maybe you're only facing one thing, but it's been long. It's been a long time. You've been facing it. This morning, what I want you to do in just a minute is I want you to make a statement of faith. I want you to take a physical action that's going to signify a spiritual reality. I want you to say... I walk this morning by faith and I return to my, my fortress of hope. I return this morning and I'm telling you, I want you in a minute to step out from where you are. We're not going to have the altar workers come right now and stand right here and say in Jesus' name, I return to the fortress of hope and I'm telling you, God's going to meet you there. And there's going to be breakthrough. There's going to be a breakthrough. Some things are going to start to move. Some things are going to start to change. Some things are going to break in your spirit. You, you have to take that step toward Him and say, God, I'm tired of it all by myself. I submit. This is about submission. I submit my spirit to yours. God, return to that prison of hope. And I'm telling you, I'm telling you, God is going to meet you here. He's going to touch you. You're going to reconnect with Him. He's given His Word. He's given His Word. Lord, we turn this moment over to You. Right where we stand, we make it a statement of faith. And by faith in Jesus' name, I'll hear Your Word and I'll respond to it. And Lord, I trust You to meet me there, right where you are, in just a moment.